freaky, freaky episode. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to know anything. I didn't watch it. No, I'm just kidding. That would be a kick in the head. I've never seen it. (laughs) I've never seen the last episode. I didn't watch it this time. I'm just just saving it. Where am I? The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek. I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own. By hook or by crook, you will. I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims. Alright, you want to do the prisoner? Alright then. The Village People, an exploration of the prison. With Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and Andrew Lamb. prisoner and go you know i almost said listen to the prophets <laughs> you you may have almost said it but you actually didn't say anything no well I even, you didn't even say hello because i realized that wait a minute <laughs> this is not a time travel show <laughs> well that would have been funny to just throw that out there and start with that yeah yeah just you know hello everybody and welcome uh, I like you very much. Uh, and welcome to the village people. Oh, what are we, the village people? Yes. At this point, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's a little late <laughs> in the game. Wait, you know what we are? We are, we are the village prisoners, is what we are. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Uh, oh, dear. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this we're talking about the last episode, Fallout. So we're just going to do forty minutes of unintelligible gibberish, <laughs> and allow you, the lovely listener, to take away some profound meaning from it. I think that's what we're aiming for. Uh, there is some, pro- I, 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 there is some profound meaning in I here. I think this is great. I love this. It's batshit crazy, but I still like it. Okay. I know, I know that a lot of you don't, but here we go. Uh, anyway, we're joined by our special guest cast. The president, Paul Spataro. Hello. Give it to me, baby. Sir. The butler, Angelo Muscat. Oh, dear, Pascarella, as you may have reading the thing, you know. <laughs> oh, off the rails already. I like you. Pit boys and stuff, and New Vegas, I saw Fallout. <laughs> Wrong Fallout, Dave. Ah, uh, shoot. And representing the youth. Youth. <laughs> Bill Robinson. Oh. Now here, the working of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> no, no this time or uh, on today's episode? Why? Well, on this time, all you need is love. Love, love is all love. you need. Yeah. Love is all you need. The final desperate adventure of the prisoner when he gets a strange reward for being rebellious and an opportunity to meet number one in Fallout. Key to your house. Traveler's checks, passport. You are free to go. I feel Did you ever meet him? Did you ever meet number one? Meet him? 
The prisoner learns what happens to all failures and creates havoc in Fallout. Don't miss the end of this exciting series. See the final episode of The Prisoner on this channel. Uh, the synopsis for this one, uh, which is entitled Fallout, written and directed by Patrick McGowan. He actually put his name on it. He does not receive an acting credit. But so he didn't do much. <laughs> well, well, no, but he's on camera. Yeah. So you'd think he'd Smirking. have an acting credit of, of some description. Uh, the synopsis in the book, uh, at last, the end of a nightmare adventure is in sight. You can read that either way you want. A trial determines the prisoner's ultimate fate. Originally aired on Thursday, the 1st of February, 1968 in Scotland. The day after in the rest of the UK and in CBS in America on Saturday, the 21st of September, 1968. It's achieved an audience of nearly 10 million viewers, 9 million of which wanted Patrick McGowan lynched. <laughs> that was 9 million then. Now they're 9 million. It's 9 million too. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, the book has loads of interesting details about this. I have not got time to go into all of this because obviously it's the last episode. As with George Lucas and Star Wars, over the years, McGowan has both claimed he didn't have a clue and that he had it all planned out from the beginning. You get oh, so, to decide. so he was J.J. Yeah. Abrams more than yeah, George well, Lucas. So. Yeah. You, you get to decide which version of the truth you want to believe. Lou Grade tells of him walking into the office saying, I've not got an ending. And it was Lou Grade who told him, just leave it loose and let's let the chips fall where they may. McGowan ran with that idea. Other interviews with McGowan from TV Times in 1968 has him saying, I envisioned the ending from the beginning. In a series like this, you have to know the outset of what you're aiming at and you've got to know the ending before you can begin. I think that that's utter bollocks. Yeah. Given that this, yeah, this entire section is nothing but the cast and crew talking about how they were literally waiting for him to finish typing pages to the point where he had to lock himself in a room over a weekend, fueled by nothing but sandwiches and whiskey to get no, through. No, no mind altering judge. Yeah, that's what no, I was going to say. No, I think it was no mind altering drugs. Uh, influenced heavily by the youth movement of the time and the music of the Beatles. That's pretty much self-evident if you've watched it. It also deals with the overall theme of the actual show is what is freedom in your own particular mind. That's ultimately what he thinks it's about. What do we think it's about? So, I guess we'll let Paul and Dave go. Yeah, yeah let, let, let it go first. What do I think it's about? I, I think your your original description, I don't know if it was when we were recording or before we started recording, when you said the words batshit crazy, I thought that was pretty uh, on point for this. Uh, you know. Did, did you watch it more than once? Twice. Did he? Okay. okay. Really? I'm dead impressed with you. Well, because I, uh, I think you need to do that because the first time you'd be like, what? Yeah. And then the second and time, the, you can kind of, like, get a little deeper in your head. Yeah, so the first time, I was like, what? And the second time, I was like, what? What? Uh, <laughs> see? Subtlety. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I am good with, not good, I am, I am accepting 
of far out concepts, but I do generally need them to be anchored in some form of a narrative reality. Uh, and this episode gave me none of that. <laughs> so I really, you know, I, I, I've said it before, and I, I assume I've said it on this show, but I've said it on many of the shows that we do or that we've done that I don't care for the we're going to do something. And when it's all over, it's up to you to decide what it meant. I don't like that. Have a message. Have something that you're telling us. And then if you want it to be interpreted, if you want us to interpret it to get there, that's fine. But I don't care for the we're just going to do far out shit and, and let you come up with the ending. So I found this to be very unsatisfying, to be quite frank. I, I did not grasp where it was going, why it was going there, why they had weekend at number two. Uh, it, it, it just didn't do it for me. I really have to say, I, I was not happy with this as an ending. Uh, <laughs> you know, we started this out, and I felt like I did when we did Firefly. Okay, this is a fascinating beginning, and where is it going to go? Uh, and I was sad with both of them, because I thought, you know, okay, this I know this doesn't end. Uh, but this did end. <laughs> and when it ended, I wasn't happy with the ending. So I kind of wish they had almost left it ambiguous. Or not, it is ambiguous. I, I wish they kind of had just left it that he was in there and life was continuing. And, you know, we don't know what happens to him eventually. Uh, it, it, did, it just didn't feel satisfying to me. Yeah, I, uh, I watched it once. And as I've said a few times, that's 51 minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back. It was too over the top and crazy. It's not for me. I know what they were saying. They were saying, I guess it's what? What did we say? 1968? The world is aflame. Up is down. Down is up. Anarchy's ruling. But I didn't enjoy it. I, I thought... There was going to be some kind of a, I don't know, more. You know, for me, it's it started out and it went downhill from the beginning. And the the end to me cratered through the floor. I, I, I thought it would be, a, I don't know, I thought I'd find it interesting. I looked at the sets they had there when they first bring them in. And I, all I kept thinking was it's a combination of a specter base. And the mutants and beneath the planet of the apes. And don't, just, don't don't be putting down the mutants on the planet of the apes with this stuff. You didn't get a vibe from that though. A little I love the mutants. I, I, I did. Yeah, I, I got this. This was and the worship of the they bomb. Got it from them. And the worship of the bomb. All of that stuff is straight out beneath the planet of the apes. And the, 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 didn't the this happen before beneath the planet of the apes? Yeah, yeah. This was well before. This was before planet of the apes. Yeah, so that they could have got it from this, for all we know. I do love they can resuscitate you with shaving cream and a hairdryer. I love shaving they can resuscitate you by just reversing the footage. <laughs> oh, look, if we rewind it to before he died, he's not dead. Well, before Andy and I jump into our thoughts, uh, you know why they uh, gave him a makeover? Or you probably don't know why they gave him a makeover. I assume he was going to appear in something else where he didn't have the beard and stuff. Andy, roughly, what was the time in between, like, the 
the filming of the the previous episode in this one wasn't it quite a few months if not a year once upon a time was the sixth episode filmed and then this was the 17th episode filmed so there's a significant gap of time and leo mckern was already in some other production where they had he had to change his appearance so when you see him rolled out from the truck that's not even him if i recall there's it a was, lot of there's a lot of this where it's not the actors. Yeah, there's because, an awful lot of the long shots mm-hmm. where it's not Kenneth Griffith in the um in the outfit of the the um, the attorney. Oh really? Which, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's oh. an awful lot of it. because it was shot so quickly and so under the gun that he basically started shooting it. According to this, he did a couple of pickup shots for the previous episode the girl who was death and then they went straight into filming this and when he went straight into filming this he didn't have a finished script and he didn't have a finished cast so a lot of the long shots of kenneth griffith it's not him you can see he's got the wig thing he keeps that over his Mm. face or keeps his face tilted to the other side so you can't see who it is but an awful lot of the long shots as well of the kid jumping around and singing dem bones the his lip flap doesn't match what he's singing in an awful lot of places and that adds to the overall dreamy nature of whether the episode is even real or not he's actually singing a more annoying song in real life he's singing a more annoying song than dembo's you'll be happy paul to to find out that patrick mcgoon fully agrees with you and he thinks this ending makes total sense and says exactly what he was going to say Mm. maybe he was actually singing the macarena he was actually singing the future of the Macarena. The interesting thing about the music is um, he picked the Beatles because he just loved the Beatles and he loved what they were saying and what they were doing at that time. He was concerned the Beatles were going to date it. Well, ironically, you know, ironically, that's ended up making it more timeless that he uses the Beatles. <laughs> ironically, all you need is love is more timeless than the prisoner. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I thought it was a nice uh, juxtaposition with using, uh, you know, all you need is love as they're shooting their way out at the mm-hmm. end. All you need is love. Right. That's the, the up is down and down is up. Yeah. And it's, it is, that is, I, I was a little bit disappointed with that ending because it did very much reek of, I don't know what I'm doing. But in, I, the, in terms of the actual episode, is he basically saying, well, ultimately every revolution needs to end in violence. But but it's ironic how I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit is due when uh, they're reading out the ch- the guy they have reading out the charges against number 48 mm. for all those non-compliance. He's the guy sitting with the placard that says anarchist in front mm-hmm. of him. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, there, that's a lot of symbolism there, obviously. Everybody's, you know, all, all the different... Uh, I guess groups in society and they all look the same and they're all under control by somebody. You know, there's so many, you know, if you start doing a a deep dive into some of the, the symbolism, but, but then again, you know, if he wrote this on the fly, I, I mean, was he pulling in some of his thoughts he had for it from the whole series? I, I mean, Maybe we should, well, maybe not, maybe on our final episode, we can talk about, like, what McGowan says is, like, the seven episodes you should see and take a look at those or discuss mm. those briefly. Um, so, I guess, uh, I guess Andy and I need to say our thoughts about this episode. 
or do you guys want to talk some more? Um, I just wanted to throw out one more thing, and then uh, I'll shut oh, up. Okay, Columbo, no, go it, ahead. You don't have just to Just one more up. thing. <laughs> I wasn't sure that that number one was supposed to be him. I had to back it up and look again, because my eyes aren't so hot, and it moved very quickly. Yes, number one is very definitely supposed to be him. What a difference a comma makes to those opening credits. Who is number one? You are number six. <laughs> Maybe he did have it all planned from the VNN. I don't well, believe he did. Yeah, like one of his, you know, one of his, uh, I've, I've seen a blurb from McGowan saying, uh, oh, what was it? It was about, uh, you know, in in the end, we're all prisoners in villages of our own making. <laughs> You know, so yeah. Well, uh, uh, he's ultimately, I think, he's ultimately saying that if your your freedom is your li- right to live your life how you want to live it, without other people telling you you can't live your life your way. But within but the confines in society, of that, yeah, you, you are part you're of always going society. to be limited. Yeah, no exactly. matter how high or low you are, well, within reason. I mean, even people that are you know that have the freedom to do things either based on power and wealth uh to quote Qui-Gon Jinn there's always a bigger fish yeah and even in this it says we have to maintain the status quo what he's saying is not subtle and I don't I don't even think it's particularly hard to grasp the the underlying thing there because like you were just saying ultimately we're all part of a society and for the benefit of a better society there are rules and regulations in place but within that society people are free to live how they want to live without other people trying to say they can't do it that way because they don't agree with it again it's not particularly profound i don't think but it's it's also placing everybody who has any sort of thought process whatsoever into a very very specific group that that's where they are and that's it and and you're not able to be you know according to their interpretation of our lives that you're not individuals despite that and and i i think that's kind of bullshit so you think it's very very easy to break out of whatever box that you're placed in, in I, a I think, I think, I think it's a, something else i think everybody's to their own uh, degree of Venn diagram and there's a certain amount in certain ones and certain amount in others and and there are very very few people who fall firmly in one area and that's it but i don't think that's what he's saying in it at the end oh i think he is. i think i think he's saying behind. all of those people this is what they are and that's it they have no free will they have no thought process of their own and they they let the the overall society rule what they're going to be and I think that's kind of a bullshit message. But the three people that escape with him only three presumably people don't do that. Yeah, only three people have independent thought. And one of them is the butler who stayed silent for the whole series. So is he the real hero of all of it? Oh, he's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> he gives him the sly side eye look like, yeah, they're over there. I, yeah. I just I just feel like, like Patrick McGowan locked himself in a room with a typewriter and a hell of a lot of cannabis and wrote this. I think um, it was something a lot stronger than that. Or LSD, perhaps. Ah, that's what I was thinking. There's no evidence. So then he's the song should have been Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. At all. 
I think Patrick Leguin fancied himself as a hippie. See, I don't know that he did. He's far too straight-laced for that. No, he appears straight-laced, but if this is the message he's writing, uh, I, I don't think he's nearly as straight-laced as he's trying, as his his presentation is. So, therefore, he's kind of a Venn diagram of his own, isn't he? <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, I don't care for messages where they say, I'm enlightened, you're not. And, and you need to be, you know, you need to break down these barriers and be an anarchist or, or you're not, you know, or you have no free will. That's kind of close-minded in its own way. Or he was and, just and short-sighted. Trying, or he was just trying to tap into a, a, an underlying vibe of the time. I, I can't speak for what was going on in England, the United Kingdom. I'm There's, completely I'm ignorant. I'm sure there was a lot of fog. But I know they were, you know, here, 1968, things were busting loose. You know, assassinations and rioting in the streets and tear gas. Dogs and cats living together. Dogs and hippies, dirty, no good hippies wrecking the place. (laughs) So maybe he was just tapping into that and thought he'd make a few bucks off it. Number 48 kept reminding me of Mad Maud from the Teen Titans cartoon. Who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? That's right, buddy. You show that turd who's boss. All right, so who... I, I, I only have one recasting for this episode and i don't know if i mentioned this before so uh did you guys do any recastings i did i did (laughs) all right uh i'm just gonna do my one because the the only one i would that leaps out to me to recast and i don't think i said this the other time he was on for number 48 i would do matthew mcconaughey that would be good is he not too old well i mean this like i would have gone with a little bit younger matthew mcconaughey now to go with nicholas holt Mm. So for number two, uh, which number two, the dead number two or the president, the dead number two, the revived number two, the is the president number. supposed to be number two? I, yeah, I don't think no, he's what? To be. they call him the president. They don't call him number two. So the revived the, the Leo McKern, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm putting Terry, Terry Kaiser in the role because he was, uh, Bernie at weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> and and then but it, but then for his look with the you know the the more clean shaven and all look for whatever reason I just kind of got a Debbie Coleman vibe out of him. Ah, I I have two recasts. I recast the judges William Campbell, a contemporary. Oh, and I recast <laughs> revived number two as William Conrad. <laughs> That one worked. I had thought yes. about William Conrad as well, but I thought that would be too. Uh, the people would be like, "Who?" Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> a Quinn Martin production. So, did anybody else get a uh, encounter at Far Point vibe out of this? Yes. <laughs> well, now that you mentioned it, uh, I didn't think that initially, but yeah, I I see that. Because the trial is ongoing. Number six. 
it never yeah. ends. You never escape the village, do you? See, it's, you give up one village for another because when you get the, the end, the butler goes in his flat and the door opens automatically. And the host drives past him. Yes. And there's a number one on the door. You know what? That number one was always there. I went back and looked in old episodes. He yeah, was he always was number one. one. Place. Yeah. So that one was always there. So again, maybe he did have an old one from the beginning. Because I'm like, wait a second. I I, I went back to the one where uh, many happy returns. And because I, I, I knew there's a scene because I looked in the opening credits and you can't see what the number is on the door. But when you go to many happy returns, there is a one on the door. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. OK. All right. So they didn't just add that. So the quote from Patrick McGowan, which is saying, hey, Paul, I think you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> really? Well, that's that's if you translate it from the grave. He says, he says there are no, there are numbers here. There are no names, so you can't expect it to end like James Bond. So you have to have you have to have an allegorical ending. Now, what is the most evil thing on earth? Is is it jealousy? Is it hate? Is it revenge? Is it the bomb? What is it? When one really searches, it's the only one thing. It's the evil part of oneself that it, that one is constantly fighting until the moment of our demise, the Jekyll and Hyde, if you like, but on a much larger scale. That's to me him saying, oh, if you if you didn't like this episode, it's the same thing I hate so much. If you didn't like this episode, it's because you're not smart enough to have understood it. <laughs> I, I don't get that translation from him. I think he's telling you what he thought he was doing in whatever it was he was making. Yeah. And he's, he's ultimately repeating the word I, 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 I through the entire episode. So he is talking about I and it and super egg and all that other pretentious gobbledygook that people talk about when they're doing stuff like this. I don't read that quote as him saying you're an idiot if you don't get it. He's no, saying that's, that's his <laughs> no, no, that, no, that's the way Paul's taking it. Oh, okay. It's Patrick McGowan and I are going to fight if we ever meet in heaven. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be a long line. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it's, it's the thing that's going to keep me out. I'm going to die. I'm going to go up to the Golden Gate. And is Patrick just, McGowan here? <laughs> they're going to say, you know what? We had a spot for you, except you, you expressed that you were going to be a troublemaker when you got here. So we're sending you to the other place. <laughs> we're sending you to the village. No! I will uh, say I, it's, it seemed like it was rather easy to get out of there when they were escaping. Well, where did all those helicopters come from? More than that. Well, why does the M20 lead there? The M20 literally takes you from London to Dover. It doesn't even go anywhere near Wales. Shh. It's not where it's supposed to be. Chopper's it's just somewhere. It's somewhere off the coast of the Mediterranean, right? Yeah, yeah, supposed to that, be. yeah, that is the one thing that's kind of like, wait a minute, they, they they left in a, they left in a lorry. What? <laughs> Driving down the road, you know, you're, 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 t- you're typical English gentleman and seeing a bunch of guys dance around in the back of a truck. Which is, again, the continuity there is completely off to lunch, because in the shot where he's approaching the truck. The kid oh, yeah. is set on the settee. And then when he gets at the side of the truck, they're all dancing and serving each other tea. And then as he pulls away, it's empty. <laughs> well, you know. 
So there's, there's, you know, he wasn't paying attention to his editing. Mm-hmm. Because he was high. He was not high. Oh. He was, if anything, he was drunk. Okay. How do you know he wasn't high? Because he said he was eating whiskey and sandwiches. Yeah. Smoking he was drunk, blunt. but he wasn't Smoking high. some blunts. Yeah, perfectly fine. Well, I guess it was just the ending. I It was not the ending I had hoped for. But you know what? Reasonable minds can differ. I, You know, and I... And I think... I think Andy and I's opinion... I, I mean, the first time I saw this, I was younger, much younger. And I saw it and was like, what the f- is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, What? You know, and then I read some other things about it and blah, blah, blah. So now, 30, 35 years later, seeing, because this is the first time I've seen the end episode since I originally saw it many, 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 many moons ago. And I watched it twice this time. One to get an initial, you know, smack and then to like go back and kind of di- digest things. And, and, and I did see some other things. It is not a perfect. I mean, spoiler, I am not going, I don't think I'm going to give it a six unless somebody changes my mind in this discussion. I'm going to tell you I'm not giving it a six. I didn't think you would. But I think, and now you're going to hate me because I'm going to sound like I'm saying I'm smarter than you. (laughs) I I, I think (laughs) having the years in between viewings made you smarter. No, my mindset has changed and I see things because I saw it at an impressionable age, took things from it. Now I'm of a different age and I take different things from it, specifically in the different types of rebellion. All my life, I always wanted to be number six. A gangster? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I always wanted to be number six because I thought he was so so cool. Looking back on this, I see I was number 48. I was an idiot because I always chose to rebel at the wrong time, especially when I was in the Navy. One time in the Navy, I still – okay, start singing your song, Paul. No. So one time, you know, you're supposed to stand uh, morning muster quarters. I was getting yelled at by a senior chief. I stood at attention at a 45 degree angle from the rest of the formation. So as an act of rebellion, because I was an idiot. I was number 48. I was doing the stupid things that sabotaged my career, you know, my career in the service, which is probably why I didn't stay in, because there's no way I could have stayed in there for 20. There's no way. So now we come to another form of rebellion, and I see I'm more like the revived number two. Whereas I wouldn't have pictured myself as that early on because I was young and dumb. So I got a little bit out of this more than you guys. And maybe that's because I've seen it with the span of years in between it. What say you, Andy? Uh, I'm pretty much on exactly the same page you are. I I quite like the ending. I think the ending is why it's endured. You give it a straightforward, he strokes a cat ending, nobody remembers it. It ends up being like like lost, where you're just so disappointed by not only the ending, but you've wasted all your time, six years of your life watching it, that you you never go back and revisit it again. The fact that it's had a longevity is down to the fact that the ending is slightly ambiguous, even if it is a little bit on the nose in places. 
I got a lot more out of it this time. I think um, I think a lot of the messaging about how much of your freedom is taken away from you by CCTV. You can't go here. You can't park here. You can't do this here. You can't do that here is actually more prevalent now than it was when this was made. So there's, there's seen a lot more of that out of it. But ultimately, of the three characters, four, if you count the butler, who get away at the end of it, I'm with you. Leo McKern's the happiest because he ultimately accepts his place in where he is. Right. And he goes back quite, to yeah, society. He got, goes back got, to what he did. Yeah. He's got quite a privileged place in society. I'm not that bad. I get paid reasonably well. Uh, I've got a reasonable place. I get 45 days of holiday a year. Why should I rock the boat? And that's basically where Leo McKern is. And I'm kind of there with him at this point. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a certain part of me that thinks the youth need to shake it up every now and again. They need to point out our hypocrisy. They need to point out the mistakes. They need to point out the places that we have fallen into just doing stuff because that's how it's always been done. And ultimately, the problem with that is they grew up to be us and nothing ever changes. And if that's the message of it at the end of it, nothing changes. It's not wrong. So I'm going to read part of the reception section of uh, the Wikipedia page. Uh, uh, let's, you know, they talk about they they say that uh, after the episode, it resulted in bafflement and anger among the show's viewership to such an extent that McGowan had to leave the country and go into hiding for a few days as dissatisfied viewers stormed his house. Despite this, McGowan stated in a 1977 interview that he was delighted with the reaction as his intention was to create controversy. He explained that his enjoyment with the outrage was in line with the show's message. As long as people feel something, that's a, the great thing. It's when they're walking around not thinking, not feeling, that's tough. That's where all the dangerous stuff is. Because when you get a mob like that, you can turn them into the sort of gang that Hitler had. So he's saying, you know, he, he you're right. He's not saying, Paul, you were too stupid to get it. He's saying, Paul, you were a Nazi if you didn't get it. <laughs> Stop it. This isn't this is the prophets where you were Joseph Mangala. This isn't Twitter. <laughs> You're not well, a Nazi. I, you know, honestly, I do think that is saying that's saying the way I'm interpreting interpreting that is if you were outraged, well, that's okay. But the people who got the message I was trying to send, those are the ones that make me happy. That's the way I'm interpreting that statement. And it's like, you know what? Screw you. Make a good story. Okay, but don't you see? Okay, you're having the same reception as the people who watch it for the first time. Then, you've watched it for the first time now, and you're having the same reception. Andy and I have, a, and I had the same reception you're the first time I saw it. I was like, "What the heck?" But so you know what? Come back when you're 80 and tell us what you think <laughs> then. Because <laughs> actually, it'll all be new again, and you'll still be pissed off because you would have forgotten by then because you'll be old and see now. Could we move the start time a little later in the morning if we're going to come back when we're 80? No, because yeah, we'll, we'll probably be up needing to pay, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 10 million viewership they had, was that a good number at the time? Oh, God, yeah. They would kill for 10 million It was, million a, it was a good number. Yeah. So then I guess he was successful. Yeah, the show was incredibly successful. 
Put and it into context, the, the last weekend Glastonbury heard and Elton John's final <laughs> performance ever got 7.5 million viewers and the BBC were delighted with mm. 7.5 million viewers nowadays because everything's just fragmented across all your streaming services and iPlayer and all that stuff. So to actually to get 10 million in the 60s was impressive. Doctor Who was averaging 10 million viewers every week throughout the 60s and 70s and it was considered a hit. Most successful so, shows were getting like 14, 15 million. Your coronation streets of the world were getting 15 million viewers. Mm. So the suits Obviously. were happy. The suits were happy. Yeah, yeah the suits were happy. This was great. All right. Yeah. So. I mean, that's chicken feed to your viewing audience where Moonlighting at its peak was getting 60 million viewers just in America. But obviously, we're a much smaller country. 10 million is a fantastic viewing figure. Well, think about it. Back in 1968, there were three, maybe four channels that most people got. Mm. So you were limited to begin with. Yeah. We had three channels in 1968, BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. Mm. Yeah, we had uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. Maybe you'd get a PBS, which is the public broadcasting system, and then you might get an independent one or two, depending on where 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 you lived. Which right, yeah. so it was a big city. Yeah, and you've and all, you, you've also got the thing as well as how many people were watching it just because it was on. There was no remote controls then. Either. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sonny, oh. come in here and change the channel for me. Yeah, I get the remote control. So, I like the music in this one. I like oh. that nice little melody. Uh, number two, number two, the kid. Is he number 40 something? Can't remember. 48. Yeah, as he gets out of the truck and walks across the road and he's hitchhiking. The thing that amazes me about that, and they would never get away with this nowadays, is he genuinely looks like he's walking down a real road. I think he is walking traffic. down a real road. He's... Yeah, you know what I mean? It doesn't look like they've closed it off or that it's TV traffic. It looks like he's genuinely on a real road now i know there wasn't as much traffic then as there is now but that still seems quite dangerous for him to be doing that well plus he was in the bloody road yeah that's what i'm saying he doesn't cross over he stays in one of the lanes yeah he he's he's in three lanes of traffic and he goes over to the like the last lane before he gets on the side and he just stands there and i'm like wow what are you doing yeah it's just very weird i mean i quite liked him in it is uh is a term they use when they film like movies and stuff without getting permits. I can't remember what it means. Oh, like they just uh, show up and start filming. Yeah, it's something. Uh, it's not pirate. It's gorilla. something along those lines. I can't, yeah, can't. it's uh, guerrilla uh, filmmaking. Guerrilla. That's it. Right, right. Maybe did, that's uh, yeah. what they were doing. I think. Yeah, like I they did in North by Northwest that. because they yeah. didn't have the permits, so they had to do a long shot for outside the UN. But certainly the stuff around the Houses of Parliament, you must have had a permit for that. They wouldn't just let you roll up and film there, even in 1968. Nowadays, you can't even drive there. So, <laughs> when the Bobby is talking to number six outside of Parliament... What the and hell he starts, is he saying? Yeah, he starts jumping up and... <laughs> and I was... I was waiting for, I couldn't remember, you know, rewatching this, like, because you see from behind the butler, 
And I, in my head, I, I had a scene where they cut to the butler's face and they cut to not to not number six, and, and he does like a, all right, come on, like he's standing there, like he's going to be left left alone. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess that's something I edited into my my headcanon years ago. And for some reason, I thought he hopped in and. Uh, or he went into the flat with the butler, but no, he doesn't. No, he, he drives he off. Drives he drives off, off in, yeah. in into the opening credits, and then it's the cycle begins again. Yeah, he just he just drives off into a bunch of stock footage. Was this the first and only episode where we see guns in it? I'm trying yes. to remember. I believe it was because people point out to him, "Isn't this a pacifist TV show?" And he uh, he argued. That well, uh, in every revolution, you ultimately have to go to violence. But there's a conflicting again story where he literally just said to Alexis, "Can it? Yeah, don't we just want to be done now?" So that was just him ending it. <laughs> and again, we, we've had this conversation before. Our culture isn't built around that. A lot of our TV shows didn't have guns. It was quite surprising in stuff like the Sweeney when they would use guns, even though they were policemen. It was always quite a shock that would get a gun out. The only one where guns were regular was the professionals. And they were a fictional branch of CI5 that tackled cases that other people wouldn't touch. There was a lot of gunplay in the professionals. And that got slagged off for being overly violent. In the secret... A, was it here? It was Secret Agent Man. Uh, the Secret Danger Agent Man. Man. Yeah. Danger Man. Did they use guns typically in that? Nope. Program? No. Okay. Nope. Neither did the Saint. Wow, the Saint didn't use guns either. No, no, <laughs> not, not regular. So we're yeah. just a gun happy society, is what they're saying. Yeah, well, that, no, no, I think it's basically just a cultural thing. I mean, they're not as prevalent here. They're just not. It's not a part of our society that everybody's armed, so it's not a part of our storytelling. Wow. I think that's because your government doesn't want an armed society. Well, it's it's also because <laughs> I think the government doesn't want us to approach them with guns today at the moment. We like to see the king. Well, I, I, I do think, you know... In- I keep saying England. I don't know whether you should say Great Britain, the United Kingdom. My apologies. Or yeah, what's so left. Was. Oh, sorry. But it was established for hundreds of years. And when we got here, it was an open frontier. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very strange, but it's it's just not. <laughs> it's not a surprise to me to have a TV show that doesn't have a lot of gunplay in it. It's particularly of that time period. Unless it's a war drama, obviously. Unless it's set in the war. I'd like to recast the Bobby with Jackie Gleason. I think it would have been much more entertaining (laughs) at the end. (laughs) You can't drive a piece of crap like this on my highway. Oh, even better would be... uh, uh, What was the episode of Top Gear? What was it on... um, Or was it on... The new one they did on Amazon to where uh, he played a Frenchman. He played a French police officer. The tall ah ah James Black- May. No, no Clarkson. Uh, Clarkson. Yeah. Did you see that episode? I or may was- have done, but he's not done Top Gear for like seven years now. So 
No, but it was on uh, the Grand Tour. The Grand Tour, yes, oh, yes. Right. They did the thing on the Grand Tour to where he played like a French policeman that was more interested in food than he was. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that that went down well with the French. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it did. Who complained ever so mightily that the the French were bad guys in that one Marvel film? I don't even remember which one it was now. And I'm just reading these reports, going, "We've been playing bad guys in your movies for years. Get over it, the French." Yeah. How do you think the Germans feel? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I like the opening oh. credits that they're different. Mm, I very tell you different. Funded Port Marion. That's all quite fun. Nice aerial shot. If you ever go, and they to gave Barry, credit to the location. They did, yeah, and that's pretty much all there is to it. You pretty much see the entire thing in those aerial shots. It's not very big at all. I'd like to go there someday, but I don't know. <laughs> is it? It's lovely. It is nice. Is it okay? We're gonna go, Bill, on a fact-finding mission. Yeah, this if the show had a budget, they could send you on a location recce. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it is a lovely place to visit. It's out in the middle of nowhere. So you mm. do there is it is quite a substantial drive from anywhere that would have an airport. Can you actually stay there? Is it a place? Yeah, yeah. You can you can, okay. you can stay in the hotel. You know the old people's home? That's the that, hotel. That's a hotel in real oh, life. Well, that'll that'll be pretty much apropos, so that's <laughs> and you can go out onto the beach and go swimming and walk around and Build your own little thing where you'll exercise in the woods if you choose to do so. <laughs> and the <laughs> jaws the really open. Cameras everywhere. They, they do, yeah. The jaws. There are not cameras everywhere. Well, there probably are now. CCTVs <laughs> everywhere in this goddamn country. Do all the doors open automatically? They do not. <laughs> and the, the big disappointment is you'll walk into number six apartment and it is tiny. Yeah. Uh, it's like a cat. It's like a cabin on the love boat. You go on a yeah. cruise, you think you can get a room like that. <laughs> no, you walk in and it's this tiny little round room, basically. I mean, it's got lots of prisoner merchandise in it. <laughs> well, that's the only place that the... Pri- oh, no, Patrick McCoon's got a blue plaque now after he died. Mm. Do you know about blue plaques? Yeah, no. that's the... Yeah. Uh, that's like the... For over here, it would be like the historical society thing, Dave. Yeah. Ah, so we hang a blue plaque where something of historical note happened. So like Paul McCartney's house in Liverpool has a blue plaque on it. That kind of thing. Any major like World War Two thing that happened, there's a blue plaque. They say on this day, our allies left for Normandy, that kind of thing. So it's all kinds of things. It's not just purely historical. It's pop culture stuff as well. So McGoohan's got a blue plaque in Port Marion. Ah, well, that's cool. Yeah, that's all right. Is there a plaque for Rover? Here lies Rover. No, oh, and I was very disappointed. He went to the cliffs of Dover. And bent like over. He probably did because the M20 does take you to Dover. So. Mm, oh, yeah. Poor Rover. Poor Rover. What about his family? Burned up in a burned up the launch of a rocket. <laughs> Where did that rocket come from? Elon <laughs> Musk killed, killed Rover. I want to well, know where the rocket went. Yeah, it just took off didn't it? to the stars, Dev. Uh, so it's it implied by it. that okay let's let's look at that for a second because i didn't okay. notice this the first time i watched it or I maybe i had forgotten there was, was an, in a state of uh complete fugue <laughs> there <laughs> was to the point with the rocket 
so there's a third empty tube in that rocket. Was that where they were going to put um, Patrick Magoon and shoot those three guys into space and be done with them? I think that was the initial plan. <laughs> yeah, probably. And then he sneaks up up, board, uh, up to the top and, you know, confronts himself and beats everybody up with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, because the ending, the ending, the ending is where I actually do agree with Paul, and that it doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. You've got past the bit where he's saying whatever he wants to say, or you take yeah, away once he's from done, it, whatever you want to take away. But then you've got the feeling that he's like, well, they need to get away, and we need to destroy the village because I don't want to do this anymore. Um, George Markstein, who was the script editor, his quote on this is, "It's an unintelligible pantomime." <laughs> yeah. He'd gone I, by this point following a disagreement with Magoo and say he doesn't like the ending. I almost felt uh, uh, Dr. Evil's son could have come out in this and gone, <laughs> this is your plan? You're going to shoot these three eyes up into space to get rid of them? Shh, I got it. a gun in my room. We could shoot them and be done Zip with it. it. Shh. Zip it. Zip it. I like you very much. Paul's been awful quiet. He's scheming. My grandmother always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> he's fallen asleep. That's why he turned Paul, off his video. Paul's a, an early morning guy. Don't worry about him falling asleep. He doesn't sleep. Okay. Well, you know, if, if you if we've thoroughly disentertained you for 17 weeks, Bill and I will never suggest anything for us to do ever again. <laughs> no, you know what? I, and I, I said we weren't going to talk about like the overall thing as much, but uh, so you're breaking your I'm, own rule. Yeah, I, you know what? I make the rules. I get to break the rules. That's whenever you think you enough. have, when you, whenever you think you have the answers, I, I change I, the question. I, I, like you very but, uh, much. This, this has been on my my queue. I was going to say bucket list, but that wouldn't really be a, a true saying. But uh, it's been in my queue forever that I've said, I, you know, I got to watch this, see what all the uh, fervor is over. Uh, and and it's just it's a small watch really when you come down to it. It's not like oh this was you know six seasons and turns out they're in purgatory and yeah oh I, I digress. Um, but it, you know it it was I'm I'm glad I watched it and I'm glad I, I had you guys to do it with to kind of go over every episode and kind of give them a little bit more context and a little bit more uh, you know just discussion of, of what they're trying to say uh i generally do like my stuff a little bit more grounded i, I just do i'm you know i'm i'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy um but whatever you know it, it was i'm glad i watched it so i'm I, I do not have any regrets i regret nothing i regret nothing <laughs> and paul was never heard from again <laughs> Um, because because they're going to take me off to the village now and yes. i'm just going to live happily selling buttons to everybody <laughs> they're going to take you off to the village and you're just going to go i quite like it eh? yeah exactly i've said that all through this entire series that, can that i bring if, my know, books with me yeah, yeah i would, yeah, I would have yeah. given up my my loyal opposition very very quickly and i would have just enjoyed you know yeah okay i'm hanging out here yeah i'm gonna ride, I'm gonna ride the big bicycle i'm gonna learn how to ride a penny farthing and I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the record store and just sample different records. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm okay. Build myself a gym. 
I'm probably never even meeting number two. <laughs> You'd never have any new reason nah. to. You would have broke pretty quick, like Leo McKern. I, I don't I like think I'm, I don't think I'm playing that thing with the trampolines, though. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's it. That's it. You can Fine. break a hip with that. Yeah, really. Me and Bill would go a lot. It's off to the old folks' home with you guys. Yeah. Do you know what? I've actually quite enjoyed rewatching it all? Yeah. Me too. I think it's been a lot of fun. I think there's only been a couple of really dud ones. Even this one. I enjoy it, even though it doesn't make a lick of sense. So are we rating? I don't know. What would you have ended it? What would you have done yeah, to yeah. end it? Paul. I didn't just mean Paul specifically. Oh, no. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I probably would have had something with he, where he, he led some sort of rebellion and they just kind of like destroyed the village somehow and found out that the, the government was behind this all along. That's kind of what he did. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have done it so stupidly. <laughs> We've so been like the same ending, but there would have been you. one line, and it was the government all along. <laughs> dun, it, dun, dun. I guarantee you, in my version of it, nobody was singing them bones. Right. I'm with you on that. And bow connected to the wrist bone, wrist bow connected to the elbow bone. I did like that, you know, in in hindsight, I did like that they brought him back, that character. Because, you know, I kind of liked when he was in, uh, what was it, Living in Harmony? Yes. You know, I brought his his top hat back. Yeah. No, I thought that was kind of cool to to revisit that. And I, I, but I would have had, I might have ultimately had the same kind of message, but I would have just brought it forth in a more cohesive narrative that's what i wanted and that's what maybe, i didn't get maybe he shouldn't have fired his script editor yeah maybe yeah. he shouldn't have and maybe he should have uh, imbibed a, a little bit less of mind-altering drugs you know talking about bad writing uh i thought you were going to say mind-altering drugs oh no um while i'm enjoying strange new worlds Episode episode three, and there's a lot of plot holes in there. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm just like, wait, what? Wait, what? Huh? How did they get, what? You guys will get there. I mean, I still thought it was good, but I was just like, yeah, but there's so, like, although now there's a writer's strike. Imagine that. Oh. This, this was filmed before a lot, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's I know, but maybe season. the writers, uh, maybe they should get better before they go on strike. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. You guys could have done a better job writing that episode. Maybe you guys weren't worried about striking so much. Like, building up to it. But anyway, anyway, back back to the prisoner. Are we going to rate, or I don't remember. Do we go uh, yeah, to well, the end of this <laughs> week? one off six, isn't it? Does not. It's either a one or a six. I don't think there's a lot of movies. I can be generous. I could give it a one and a half. Oh. Oh. Ow. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you. should have been number one. I'm going to say, you know, overall, if if the whole idea was, okay, we're going to come to a conclusion, we're going to end it, they did that. If you're going to say we we sent a message as to what we think about society and individuality, whether you agree with it or not, they did that. 
if you're going to say we put together a compelling story that was enjoyable to watch, they failed miserably, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So I just think that, you know, I think it, it needed to be it needed to have more common sense to it. It needed to make more sense. I wasn't doing any mind altering drugs when I was watching this, and that made it just kind of like painful to watch. It was it was I did not enjoy it. I'm sorry. I just didn't. And, you know, I, I think that's the whole idea of doing these shows is we're going to be honest about how we felt about it. We're not going to just all of a sudden say, oh, let me prop this up no matter what I thought of it. That that wouldn't be, you know, why would anybody want to listen to that, quite frankly, if you're just going to say, you know, oh, I loved everything. It, it doesn't do it for me. This I did not love this. I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed that I watched the whole series. I enjoyed individual episodes of the series very much, and I think my rating showed that. Uh, but the conclusion of the series left me very cold. So I'm giving I'm giving it that one and a half, and and, and I'm, I'm adding the half to the one just because I do think it succeeded in those first two things. If I had a white robe and a black and a white mask like the guys from that episode of uh, Star Trek the original series, I would stand up and applaud you, sir. Or if you had the white robe and the mask like the people in this episode. Yin and Yang. <laughs> Uh, I I hate to say it, I'm pretty much at the bottom of the scale as well. I understand what they were saying for the most part. I mean, uh, I didn't care for the way that they did it. I would have preferred an ending where one of three endings would have been uh, appropriate. Straightforward, he wins, he loses, it stays the same. I... The only way I could des- describe it is that <laughs> kind of LSD-inspired storytelling method that was just over the top for me. I kind of understand where where they were going and the commentary on society, particularly at the moment. But for me, it was, you know, like I keep saying, reasonable tastes differ. This just... <laughs> This wasn't for me. I, while I was watching it, I texted Paul, uh, I think twice, going, I'm watching this now. All I'm going to say is WTF. So uh, I'm going to give it a one. I, I didn't like it. That's my taste, though. And, and actually, Dave said, watching episode WTF. I said, watched half so far. Pretty trippy. Dave then followed that up with 10 minutes left. Seriously, WTF. (laughs) (laughs) If you're asking those questions that you just asked, then did it succeed then? Because it gave you the exact reaction that they had in 1968. But I wanted it to be entertaining while it made me ask those questions. But see, I did think it was entertaining, even though I I actually agree with you. And my wife agrees with you. My wife thinks this is the worst episode of the series. I am entertained by it in the same way that I think Dave's absolutely spot on. He is tapping into whatever the hell was in the air in 1968. It reminded me of the monkeys. Oh, see, and I hate the monkeys too. Well, there you go. I watch the monkeys and I say WTF. It reminds the monkeys frequently descends into chaos and anarchy. It's not written properly. But that was I love the monkeys. I'm I'm not dissing on the monkeys at all. Have you ever seen Head? No, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Makes not a lick of sense. 
until you watch it twice. Yeah. And even then, it doesn't make any sense, but it's still incredibly enjoyable. Whatever was in the air in 1968 bled into whatever was being made, which is natural and correct and proper. And this very much reminded me of the monkeys. Hey, happy to be in the village. same. I'm happy to be in the same category with Angela. <laughs> well, so I am at the upper end of the spectrum. I don't know that I can give it a six because it isn't, but I'm gonna do because it's the last episode. And I like the idea that it perfectly splits people exactly as it did in 1968. I'm ready to storm his house. <laughs> Well, I don't think he lives there anymore, given that he's been dead for 20 years. Dr. Bill, you haven't given your rating. I'm going to give it, well, hmm, I'm going to give it 5.99. <laughs> oh, don't sit on the fence. No, no I'm going to give it a six. It's on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to pull the trigger, pull the trigger, dude. Because uh, uh, I mean, and again, I'm I, I'm not saying Andy and I are smarter than you two guys, but I think we've got a different perspective, having so many years and digesting it and thinking about it. I got to give it a six. So just just to be fair, and I, and I don't say this facetiously, you think that given time to let this stew. progress in our minds, stew, that Dave and I are going to turn around and say, you know what, that wasn't so bad. I'm no, gonna, you know, no. Uh, me you, and B- we can tell the truth now, Bill. From the beginning, me and Bill have been saying to each other, they're not going to like this ending. Yeah, we uh, fully expected this reaction. And you were smart in that respect. Well, I mean, I, I don't think you, your guys' opinion will change on this because we saw this when we were very young. So we've lived our lives. We've, are, you know, like I said, first time I saw this, I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? What? It's weird. It is weird that I, I don't think I had any kind of that was awful reaction to it because I think it was so much a part of. Well, it wasn't awful. Genre. It was just like, what is this? Yeah, it I'm was so, so confused by the, this. The telefantasy conversation of the time that I was coming up in the 80s. In the 80s in Britain, if the genre that you watched, you liked Twilight Zone, Star Trek. There were the foreign shows that you were that you liked and were still being talked about 20 years later but you also liked the prisoner and doctor who and the prisoner was rerun quite regularly here so we saw it so when i saw the last episode i was kind of aware from reading starburst magazine and stuff that it was a little bit out there and a little bit divisive so when you say a little bit what do you mean by a little bit a little bit divisive and we live in an era now where everything is divisive Absolutely everything from, you know, the merest, mildest entertainments is in some way divisive down the middle because we live in a social media age. So as we were watching it, I know me and Bill were very much of the opinion. I don't think Dave and Paul are going to like the ending. But there's a part of us that got a perverse glee out of the fact <laughs> that we have mirrored the 1968 audience. We, we totally have. There's four people here and 50% of it thought it was utter garbage and 50% of it thought that it was utter garbage but entertaining. I didn't say it was garbage. I said it should be hauled away as garbage. <laughs> that Would you like to say that again, laddie? Mm. <laughs> so okay so so you you had dave and i pegged 
What do you think Blaine thought? Oh, this should be interesting. Uh, well, should we guess before? Yeah, we should we yeah. guess? Because I assume neither of you have read these. Well, no, 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 no. We've not no. read this. I, oh, so, you, think... so you have read it, Paul. I have it right in front of me right now. Oh, okay. Well, you've not read, read it. it. I think Blaine probably enjoyed it. I think so, too. But I think he's got exactly the same reservations all four of us have. Because Paul is right. We've took the piss out of him and argued with him all the way through it. But he's right. From a narrative standpoint, this is a failure on every level. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think he's going to, yeah, I I think he's going to be very critical I guess we'll see. Well, Blaine says... Hi, guys. Well, that's a wrap. I'm not entirely sure what I was expecting for the end of this series, but this certainly wasn't it, aside from number six gaining us freedom. I didn't expect to get the answers as to why he resigned and what his name is, so that wasn't a surprise. And I was at least hoping to find out more about the organization and its goals. I can't say that lacking those answers disappoints, since those answers were never really promised. This was British TV at its most surreal. My only real disappointment is that we didn't get a good battle of wits between number six and number one to wrap things up. One addendum. If you enjoyed this, check out The Good Place. That also deals with people showing up in a community that isn't what it seems. It's a 50-episode sitcom starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. I rarely recommend sitcoms, but this one is worth your time. Thanks again for giving me the incentive to work through the series that I've owned for just over a decade. So now I think Blaine actually kind of falls in between the two factions. I think he he saw some pluses to the surreal nature of it, but he would have liked a little bit more of a a cohesive narrative. So I think he was kind of in the middle. Did he give a a rating? I don't think he's ever really given a rating. All right, okay. All right, all right. He's he's spot on about The Good Place, though. The Good Place is very, very good if you've never watched it. I haven't seen it, but I know what the twist is. It's The Very Good Place. (laughs) The Very Good Place. I think I know what the twist is, but I won't say. So. It's got Ted Danson in it, too, right? Well, he did say that, yeah. So. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. And the Bee Gees wrote that song, You Should Be Dancing. <laughs> Maybe they should have been in the I don't know why, but I, I, I've, lately I've really embraced the dad joke. <sighs> anyway. It is a superpower. So. That's it. So that's yeah. it for this episode. What are we doing next time? Are we, next, are time. We doing next time. Nothing. Well, we don't know. You know, we've planned all along, to be fair, we've planned all along that we were going to do a uh, a recap episode, kind of touch on the entire series and then maybe possibly talk about some of the things that came later. Right now, to be totally honest with everybody, we're a little up in the air about that. We may not do it. We may do it. Or we may have an episode which is just Bill and Andy doing it. I don't know. We're going to figure that out. And in the meanwhile... I don't know what we're doing as a group going forward. Uh, We need to talk and see what we would like to do, what our schedules allow, and see where we're going to go. The one thing I can tell you is we don't stop uh, enjoying every time we have an opportunity to talk to each other. So 
I would certainly, if we have the ability to do it, I would certainly like that we continue to find something else to do together. And I'll leave it off with that. Thank you, everybody, for, who's indulged us by listening to the uh, to the show and, and staying with us. And I hope you enjoyed yeah. it. And I hope the fact that, you know, we had different opinions about it was welcomed as opposed to, well, if you didn't love the show, you shouldn't review it. Because <laughs> That's, I, I that's don't not really, really, really the point, that. though, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you should stick by what you think. I personally want to thank Paul and Dave for coming with us. It was fun hearing what you had to say every week. <laughs> as we it suckered was, you in. As oh, we sorry. suckered you in, yeah. I, there's a part of me that feels a bit guilty about it, to be honest with you. They're like, oh, wait till they get to the last episode. Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, think it's going to go well. No. And we were right. But no, thank you both for coming. I know that Dave particularly is like, oh, it's far too early in the morning. And he's probably right. But it's it's always a pleasure to talk to Dave. Paul's just here. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. You know I love you both. So thank you very much. And Bill. I don't know what to say to Bill. We kind of made them do this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're so, maybe in this scenario, even though we gave sixes, maybe we are the number ones. Maybe we are. Maybe oh, we'll you're definitely the, the number ones in this group. <laughs> Better than being a number two. <laughs> uh, and with that, be seeing you. Be bye-bye. seeing you. It's been our pleasure. Who are you? The village people. Who are the supervisor, Paul Spataro, the chess master, Dave Pascarella, Rover, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Andrew Leyland as the butler. The village people investigating the prisoner. That was so fucked up, that last episode. <laughs> Why did you not say that in the recording? Because I didn't think we wanted to curse in it. Oh, fuck it at this point. It's been a long for 17 I'm sitting weeks. there going, what the fuck is this going? Why did you not say this? This is brilliant. Because I didn't think we wanted that kind of language in the thing. Well, I do. We're all still recording, so this could be after the the end credits. <laughs> Just stay tuned if you want what Dev really thought. <laughs> Should have gone into oh. that. I can't believe you guys suckered us into watching this. All I could say is I'm glad this is over.